Hey everybody, it's your friendly neighborhood Macintosh here. Just want to let you know before the episode starts that uh, there was an interesting audio issue that came up. Namely, that I sound like I'm the Wizard of Oz. Uh, there's a weird pan issue that came up with the recording on my microphone. So everything sounds great, including our wonderful special guest this week, except for me. And if you can get past that, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Thanks, guys. Hey everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod. Haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. This week we're continuing our sports movies, but we don't know anything about our movie. We don't know anything about soccer, so we brought in a very special guest to help us. Who is our special guest? Our special guest is Kyle from the M Word Podcast. Hey, that's me. That's, That's you. you. Yeah. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Thank you so much for being here to talk soccer with us. Of course. I'm always I'm always prepared to talk about the beautiful game. And that's what it's called. The beautiful game. Okay, so is is okay, is that a thing? It's an actual thing. It is it's only, you know, only if you're one of the knowledgeable football soccer fans do you know mm-hmm. about the beautiful game. So and and obviously I know because I said it. Okay, so did you used to play soccer? I did. I grew up in a uh, like a soccer-ish family. Like my my dad coached song- soccer when we were young, but I grew up with two older brothers, and I got dragged along to a lot of soccer tournaments. So by the time I developed free will, I decided <laughs> I no longer wanted to play soccer. And yeah, I was still involved in it though. Like in my high school, um, my high school soccer team, I was the manager and would do stats and videos and stuff like that for the team. So I, I, I enjoyed the sport. I okay. just did not enjoy most aspects of having to run around for 90 minutes, which is exhausting. Yeah, no, that's the worst. And okay, my understanding is that you are from the great state of Texas. I am. And aren't y'all? Y'all are too, right? Yes, yes we are. We're in, we're in the Dallas area. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in Central Texas over okay. in Bryan College Station. Uh, yeah, so you know that being outside is the worst. It's the it's so it's <laughs> technically I think it should be illegal, but at least from the months of about May through October, just to yeah, be safe. I, it's usually October. Yeah. Every now and then we'll get lucky. Right. It's all, you should only be outside if you are safely in a tube floating down a river with a Bud Light orange. Fair. With air conditioning. With with a portable fan, air portable conditioning. Fan. Yes, everything. Okay, all of our non-Texas listeners are laughing at us, but it's totally a thing. No, uh, it's very legitimate. It, and it's a godsend. Okay, so yeah, we are not sports-doing people. Yes. No. No. I was a sports-watching person for quite some time. You you were. I, I wasn't <laughs> at all. Uh, so my understanding of the game of soccer is that one team wants the ball to go one way. Yes. And the other team wants the ball to go the other way. And they're not allowed to use their hands. That's it. Except for the goalies. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got. Yep. And there's and it's very simple. I think that's probably why it's the most popular sport in the world is because it's so freaking simple. Like, that's it. That's all there is to it. When I've watched a couple of, like, World Cup games, not only are they nuts, and I get winded watching them, <laughs> but the rules are pretty simple. Don't touch the ball. Don't touch anybody else. Right. It, it The only complicated part really comes on like offsides calls and in like penalty stuff. But most of the time it's run around 
if you foul either by using your hand or doing something bad like punching another player, then the other team gets a free kick. And that's always an advantage. And that's pretty much it. Hey, I do like it when people punch each other when that's not the actual sport. I do. I, do, I actually now I'm looking back at the episodes and I do know how much y'all like hockey from the latest episode I listened to. So that yeah, we, makes sense. We love the hockey. We do enjoy some hockey. Well, that's you know. fun. It, it's the 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 hitting is encouraged, but it's not the actual sport. <laughs> it is to me. I've been to one um, semi-professional hockey game when I lived in Canada, and I waited the entire game as if all the skating around was just some sort of pre-ritual to the actual punching. That's fair. Well, okay. Speaking of uh, of people fighting in mm-hmm. sports, yeah. yeah. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about the, the damned United. United. The Damned uh, United. The, this is this movie we watched about soccer, also known as football, if you're not in America. It's football, isn't it? That's what it's they football, say. football, which makes more sense. The fact that we call it soccer is stupid. That's yeah. Because we already had football. I know. But which we don't play with our feet. I know. But I definitely believe that, I imagine football, soccer football existed way before American football. And so it does, but it feels more American than we just felt like, nah, we're just going to make this nonsense name work for us. You really should call it death rugby. That's that's good. Or like easy rugby. I feel like rugby by it, itself is harder. It's polite rugby. <laughs> it's it's uh, padded rugby. Uh, I don't know about polite. Uh, well, you're not supposed to tackle each other. Like You're not supposed to beat each <laughs> other up in, in soccer. Oh, in soccer? In rugby you are. So I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about American football. football. Oh, American football is just dumb. That's what it is. It's just dumb. That's valid. I think so. During the World Cup on my podcast, the M Word, we spent a pretty long time brainstorming how what we should rename American football since it didn't make any sense, and we kind of settled on helmet ball because that was about the only thing. Yeah, yeah, helmet ball works. Extra Extra points points if you catch catch the ball ball in your helmet. (laughs) That's why they're so big. Yeah, (laughs) that would be way more fun. I think it would be way more entertaining to watch something called helmet ball than football. Exactly. Even if it's the exact same game, I think you could sell me on it better. Right. That's it. And then we can keep football with soccer and it actually makes sense. All right. So The Damned United is the story of the controversial Brian Clough's 44-day reign as the coach of the English football club Leeds United. This movie had a $10 million budget, and it made $4.1 million at the box office. Is that internationally or in the States? That's just IMDb's. Actually, it's Wikipedia's figure. It doesn't give us any more details on what it made. Yeah, see, I'd be I'd be interested in that because I feel like there's so many like soccer movies that... Because that was largely English-based, mm-hmm. right? It was like a BBC film, and then like Sony distributed it in America. But I do wonder how well it did over there because I feel like that they love that stuff over in England. Well, the I think... I, you might want to pull this up. The Wikipedia for the opening night in the UK, I think it was about $400,000 because I did look at it. Oh, wow. So so it did okay, but it was definitely not a runaway hit yeah. at all. That's interesting. I think, I think there's, there's reasons, reasons for that. For and mm-hmm. I also think in general impressions of this movie, which we'll get to first, this movie is not friendly to anybody who doesn't understand Northern England football. Oh, no. Yeah. Like... They drop you in in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And if you have no idea what's going on, it's going to take you a good 30 minutes to figure out what the fuck is happening. Absolutely. You definitely need to prepare and read the Wikipedia article beforehand and then watch the movie. Well, and then you just have to have an appreciation for how vicious 
the rivalries are over in Europe. Yeah. Because it's nuts. Especially, Especially with, with these, these smaller time teams. Yes. Because we're not dealing with, I mean, at the time, Leeds was a big deal first division team. Mm -hmm. But it's it's still small potatoes compared to what we know now of like Manchester United and mm -hmm. Chelsea and Arsenal and these giant stadiums. Well, and that's that's who they were playing with back in that day because that was before the Premier League, which is like their big Division One now. And so it's like bigger, and they've got a bunch more money in it now, so that they could build those big stadiums. Yeah. So it used to be a very much like simple and and more just like club based, so that you had all these crazy fans and crazy players. Get kind of more like a minor league style, and then the Premier League kind of became like the major leagues well and, and i don't know how much y'all know about the english football like league system that they have set up but it's actually one of my favorite things that i wish like the mls here in america would kind of emulate i mean i know about i know about the relegation system oh i i love awesome. that i love Please that explain to the person who doesn't know <laughs> me and probably other people <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say it's the difference being is that in America, we have like MLS and NFL, um, MLB, most of those, they franchise their team so that their teams are kind of under this one umbrella. And if another team wants to come be a part of, of that league, they have to be invited in compared to in England, where you can literally find you know, 12 of, of your best friends and start a football club. That's why they, most of them end with FC is because it's just, it's just a football club. They play matches in these friendlies against other local teams until eventually they start getting invited to the first league, which is there's four leagues in the UK for football. And so there's like the minors are the first three. So the fourth, fourth, third and second league. And then they just get promoted if they keep winning a season to the net top league. And now the top league is premier league uh, back in the day during the time of this movie, it was just division one. And which is fascinating. Cause then you have these homegrown fans, homegrown yeah. teams going up and being promoted. And we we're not stuck with, you know, the same teams every single year. And you don't have that drama with like teams moving to other cities to get more money. Like we have here in the States. You know what? That sounds like so much to me, Texas football. High school oh yeah. Football. Totally. That's what that is. And the only difference is the the really cool thing about relegation is not only can you go up, but if you finish at the bottom of your division, you get dropped. You get tossed down. Yeah. Right. So imagine in Major League Baseball, the worst two teams have to go have become minor league teams. Which would be it would be terrible. I'm uh, I'm originally from Houston, and if that had happened, I don't think the Houston Astros would have ever had the opportunity to win the World Series. Nope, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get, to, you get to lord that over us for sure. That's I just wanted to sneak it in just a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. That is a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about comparing it to like Texas college or high school football because it is. It's like got that competitiveness that you want. Well, and it and that whole like it's in my backyard. Exactly. So this is my home team. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then also that whole like watching somebody, you know, grow up in a team. Right. So let's talk about the writing of this movie. We have Mr. Peter Morgan, who also wrote The Queen and Frost Nixon. Which I was really surprised that he was the writer on that. I wasn't expecting that when the credit popped up because he also does The Crown on Netflix. Like he's the yes. writing behind The Crown. He's one of the creators for The Crown, and he has been a writer for every single episode. And 
I don't know if you've watched that, but it's amazing. Oh, yes, of course. Every bit of it's amazing. Yeah. And also, uh, Michael Sheen is in a lot of these. I was surprised that he wrote the play Frost Nixon and then also did the screenplay. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't always translate. I'm pretty sure Peter Morgan has won an Oscar. I don't, I can't remember, but I feel like he has. And if I feel it, then it must be true. I'm going to Google while y'all continue talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) That's the difference between, I think, my personal podcast and your podcast is if I believe something, I just assert it and it happens out in the universe. But I like that you fact checked. I like to fact check, especially when it comes to Oscars. We we do. We do do like like to make sure we know our Oscars. (laughs) So first of all, just in the general terms of this. Again, it dumps you right into the middle of English politics, which for a casual viewer is just like, what What have I gotten myself into? Right. And then there's this back and forthness of the movie, which is actually apparently a part of the novel that it's based on. Oh, I didn't realize there was a novel. So. It's by a man named David Pierce. Peace. It's Pierce? It's Peace. Okay. But the problem is, is that the book and the script were both sued by separate football players for libel. Oh. And the original one, Johnny Giles, sued David Peace for the original book, basically saying, he's out here parading this as based on a true story. And I'm here to tell you, it is nothing more than fiction based on some factual events. Which I believe, if I remember correctly, Giles is like the Irishman, right? Who he, exactly. he keeps calling the Irishman. Giles won that suit. Against the book. Wow. The judge agreed with them that this was, that's why it is considered a novel and not a nonfiction account. Mm-hmm. Oh. And when they made this movie, the family, upon seeing the script, went, This story is completely inaccurate and we will not provide you any support in making this film. Wow. And I believe Mackay, the Scottishman that we meet at the beginning of the movie, is the one who actually sued the production company, and they settled out of court. Wow, that's incredible. The, the other thing about this is, if you go read, and I would encourage everybody to go read the Wikipedia article on just Brian Clough, he's amazing in his own right. They didn't need to mess with any of his actual story. No. Like this, is, this is a working class dude who was a lifelong socialist and labor member who used to go to minor strikes and support them. He was an alcoholic. And then there's this whole part of the story at the end of the movie that, you know, we're, we're talking about this one moment, but he took two completely no-name teams and took them to the top of English soccer both right. times, but was so brash and brazen about it that, like they say at the end of the movie, he's the best manager England never had. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That part actually felt th- that was weird at the end, right? When they, it's, you know, a, based on a true story movie. So at the end, they show pictures of the real people and they, sh- you know, say where they went afterwards. And it, it was, it felt kind of like incon, like inconsistent with the rest of the movie because it kind of painted him as this, you know, all talk, no nothing manager who was just kind of going along with what his partner with his partner's skill. And at the end, it talks about how good of a manager he was. And I was like, you didn't really talk about that really at all. They didn't. The script is bad. Yeah. I feel like it's a disservice to the story if they're trying to focus on telling the story of this guy. Right. Yeah. And they they focused on this snippet, which is an interesting... It's it's interesting. Um, I understand, you know, any movie about this man's life would focus on this a little bit because it definitely changed him. But... He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, there's nothing 
really redeeming about what he did during this period of time. No, because it was all from a vendetta. It was all for his own pride. He sold out his friend who had just had a heart attack. And then he he dumped him. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. Which, Which all, all of that is bullshit, bullshit, by the way. Okay. Like, none of that appears in the actual biography of what happened. Okay. They were, they were mostly pissed off at the management of the club. Uh-huh. And pulled the, pulled the stunt of resigning. Okay. They're, I mean, they, it is rife with inaccuracies. There's all sorts of sports journalists who were like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this didn't happen. Did Peter, did Peter Taylor have a heart attack? That I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get to. I didn't clear that one deep enough. But a lot of this is, you know, this whole betrayal storyline. What's really galling about it is after this movie comes out and everybody says how awful this stuff is, the producer and Peter Morgan both go, you know, we just didn't think accuracy was that important to getting the point of the story across. <laughs> That's funny. This is the problem we had with Braveheart. And at this point, with everything that I see with with Clough, I'm just like, you could have just done a 30 for 30 on this dude and just told his story, and it would have been way better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny, though, is is that comment regarding especially Peter Morgan makes sense because he's gotten the most success from writing about the royal family who will infamously not comment on their life. And so they're not going to say, this is inaccurate, this is inaccurate. They're just going to leave it in silence and nobody's going to challenge it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, and and he has not won any Oscars. He has two Oscar nominations. Nominations. Okay, yes, I got gotcha. uh, He was nominated for Frost Nixon and The Queen. He he put himself out there on something where somebody had a reason to comment. Because this movie is not flattering to Brian Clough at all. Which is incredible considering that this dude is like, a god amongst the working class in England. Yeah. It, it, He's got it, statues <laughs> and roads named after him. He is a legend. Yeah, so I don't blame the family for denouncing this film and being like, I don't want we're we no, we don't want anything to do with this. I don't think there was a lot of people in this movie that were painted very <laughs> kindly, except for maybe and I always forget the character's name, but I, I'm always gonna think Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter because that's yeah. the actor who played him. Yes. But his that his partner, his assistant ball. manager, that yes, him. That's the actor. Uh, he that is Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor, yes. Okay, I can't so keep him. Any of the players straight, but I was like, I know who Wormtail is. <laughs> it's It's definitely Wormtail. No, he was probably about the only one that was painted as like this wholesome, you know, good person who just wanted like to coach for the love of the game. I do really love the speech he gives where he's talking about. Uh, you know, you were always just, you, you just didn't know when to stop. You were only ambition. And that was the problem. Which, Which appears, appears to be true. I mean, they, they did have several fallings out over the course of their careers oh, over a bunch of the, the stuff that went down, especially when he went to Leeds. I don't think Taylor was ever going to go along with him on that. No. Yeah, that makes they sense. They had a very toxic and abusive relationship in this movie for sure yes at least during this period of their relationship it was not good i think you know from all accounts brian clough was known for being outspoken about how he thought all of the other football coaches were playing dirty Mm -hmm. because they were yeah i mean we see that stock footage in here and there's very little instant replay back in the 70s no what (laughs) why not (laughs) There's a little thing called technology. It's kind of crazy. I want to live in the future. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they they didn't invent cameras until I think the 80s or 90s, if I remember correctly. So no, hallelujah. No. 
Yeah. <gasps> we all agree the script not so hot. It's not great. No. They didn't they didn't do a good job with this. No. Although Sorry, there, Peter Morgan. <laughs> there was one moment that I was like, "Oh, this was well balanced." Was in the beginning, I just remember him making the comment about Majorca and I was wondering why they made that line kind of central until the end whenever you kind of figure out the full circle of the story and you go, Oh, okay. So that wrapped that up. That was the only part where I was like, Oh, that was kind of well organized within the plot to help me understand that the circle is now complete. I now know everything I'm supposed to know in the movie, but everything else was yeah, not, not great. And by the way, there is apparently a very good, authorized biography of brian clough out there i can't remember the name of it Um, i want to see that story tough as i'm gonna guess it's tough as clough that's my guess and if that's not the title (laughs) i'm gonna be real upset it has has something to do with drinking i know that because he's also apparently was a huge alcoholic in fact that's how he died he was getting a liver transplant wow yeah he was he was a hardcore drinker I mean, it is the UK. I hate to say it, but it was the UK in the 70s. It's northern England in the 70s with rural blackouts. The direction of this movie. Mm -hmm. We get to play our first game of who could have been better. Ooh. Ooh. This is a little game we like to play where we find out that certain people may have been involved in the making of this movie or could have been cast. And in this case, the original director of this movie was none other than Stephen Frears, the director of The Queen along with movies such as Philomena, Mrs. Henderson Presents, things of that nature. So he's a British dude. Yeah, and see, now I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, Tom Hooper is a British dude. You know, I, would one British dude be better than another British dude? Well, okay, but Tom Hooper has a very good resume. That's I was thinking, too. When I saw his name on the credits, I get excited because I'm a big fan of his style, like his artistic style. There's lots of big shots, little silhouettes of people, his lovely two-thirds framing that he does with people and brick walls. The man loves a brick wall, and God love him, <laughs> Tom and Hooper. And he loves a, a blue sepia filter. Yes. Yes, he, he does. does. Although, to I'm, be fair, I think England just looks like that. That's true. True. Yeah. But he's thrown a filter on there. <laughs> Definitely. He has. Yeah. Frears is known for that that faux documentary style. Mm-hmm. And he's done that. I, I swear I've seen things where he directed theater. Because he's done plays and things that are in that similar vein. Mm. And he's the guy who came up with the idea of Michael Sheen will play Tony Blair in everything. Yeah. Until the end of time. Oh, okay <laughs> I mean, he was that. pretty good. I mean, Michael Sheen is amazing. Uh, no, yeah. no, he's not, a treasure. I'm not faulting Michael Sheen, but Michael Sheen will forever be Tony Blair if Tony yeah. Blair needs to be in a movie. If somebody says Tony Blair, I think of Michael Sheen's face it's first. It's true. I don't know what Tony Blair really looks like <laughs> because it's Michael Sheen. I imagine just a, an ugly looking Michael Sheen. That's what I picture. <laughs> I think that's fair. Maybe less curly hair because I don't think Tony Blair has curly hair. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Queen? Uh, I've seen bits of it, which I know is appalling. Tony Blair I'm named after Princess Diana. I should have seen it. I know it's fine. Well, and then the the sequel, but not really sequel, is it like the special relationship movie that HBO did, and um, and Michael Sheen plays Tony Blair in that as well. He also plays Tony Blair in W, the Oliver Stone oh, movie. I forgot yep. about that movie. He, that movie's so bad. He's Tony Blair in everything. Yeah, he's Tony Blair. Unless he's playing David Frost in Frost Nixon. He's just so good. And then he's got really Twilight. Is. He's got Twilight on his resume for some <laughs> reason. You know, so you got to get paid. 
<laughs> yeah, that's you it. You gotta pay the bills. Strangely, right. though, Harry Potter doesn't show up on his resume, which you would assume. You know, there is a group of actors who were either too old to be students or too young to be teachers, and now they're all getting their second chance with Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> oh, that's that's true. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because like Tom Hiddleston was just slightly too old. Yeah. Michael Sheen was too old and too young. Like it's it's funny because there's this little sliver of them who you would have expected, but nope. One way or another, J.K. Rowling's going to get you. That's Hallelujah. what she tells yeah, the English should. people. Yeah, she should. Although I will forever associate Michael Sheen with Liz Lemon's soulmate, <laughs> <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. That's very good. The fact that he's named Wesley Snipes is frankly <laughs> odd and disturbing. <laughs> Frears wound up leaving the movie because he could not work out the logistics of filming it and had, quote, set out in pursuit of something that was leading him down a blind alley. Interesting. So he had no idea what to do with this movie. Or maybe he just thought it should take place in a bunch of alleys. And that's what was confusing him. Huh. But, you know, I could understand that filming the soccer matches being somewhat daunting. Because that's that's not the type of thing that's on his resume. But there's very little soccer soccer in this movie. movie. You do need to know how to film some of that. And I think Tom Hooper did a good job. Yeah, so Tom Hooper steps in. The credits he has, I go, from this point, he had directed HBO's John Adams series, Mm -hmm. The King's Speech, Les Miserables, The Danish Girl, and now (sighs) he's doing Cats. Oh, I can't wait to see memories from a cat standing next to a brick wall. Oh, it's going to look so good. I can't wait to be drunk in a theater. <laughs> that's the only way you're getting me to see that. Uh, I, I love a musical. Cats is crap. I've had the misfortune of seeing that live in person. I'm sorry for you. It's... I'm sorry. See, now, now I'm thinking, what if Andrew Lloyd Webber directed the damned united oh, what no, would it be then it. no 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 you just stepped on a line <laughs> landmine i hate andrew lloyd webber i'm not a fan of him his either but i am i do like phantom phantom is one of my favorites <sighs> it's okay though i i we can forgive each other we can move on and we can I, live in this I world i understand together. why people like phantom yeah i think it's trash <laughs> yeah now, I would I would counter and say if you thought Phantom was trash, you should listen or watch the sequel that he wrote 20 years later called Love Never Dies, which no. is the no. absolute pits. It's so bad. No. No. Um, no. Can I just give you one snippet, just one synopsis? Yes. Yes, it yes. takes place in Coney Island. There you go. <laughs> so Not that's enough. it. That's all you need to know. Okay. I will watch it if I am very, very stoned. That's it. That's all you need. He might have been stoned when he wrote it. I mean, let's be honest. No. One other reason Hooper does get some benefit of the doubt and totally wins this directing challenge, he actually read the biography of Brian Clough during filming of this movie. Oh, he did his homework. He's so good. What? Good job, I love Tom. Look at you, Tom Hooper. He's, you know, he he's, you know what? He won an Oscar for King's Speech, so he did his homework there too. He He's very good, and he's very good at developing, like, the like the idiosyncrasies of characters and settings where like they very much when you're in in the movie later when you're in Brighton and when you're in Darby and in Leeds each of them has their own character that is a part of it and then Michael Sheen I don't know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later but I thoroughly appreciated Michael Sheen's like accent and characterization because it was so different 
and good that I was like, mm, Michael, I love you. Good job, Mike. I mean, yeah, we. I think we can go ahead and go to Michael Sheen. Yeah. Uh, he's amazing. I love him in everything. And he is so different. And his accent is perfect. I love I love a Northern England accent. It's it's so it's so that, fun to hear. That whole leads leads with a with the almost Scottish brogue. Yeah. And, yeah, he does it so well. Clough. When even like his repertoire as an actor is so impressive considering especially when he, that he's Welsh, which mm-hmm. is like that's basically starting at a disadvantage. Yes. Because you can barely speak English. And so <laughs> the fact that he, as a Welsh man, can perfect so many of these accents. I mean, in Frost versus Nixon, he was Australian. And in in Twilight, he was some uppity, you know, Italian, Italian prick. And then Vampire. in this, oh, he's so good. He's very, very good. When Stephen Frears approached Michael Sheen because he knew he wanted Michael Sheen in this movie. Right. Sheen immediately rolled his eyes and just went straight into a Brian Clough impression. <laughs> because everybody knows who this guy is. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So he looks nothing like him. No, he doesn't at all. He's so little. Which yeah. is, and it's amazing to see how he embodies, because you hear Brian Clough at the end, and he embodies everything about him. He just right. looks absolutely nothing like that guy. Well, and that's a testament to how amazing. Uh, Michael Sheen. I know. Exactly. You weren't surprised. Like when you watch the whole movie and you're watching Michael Sheen's performance and then they got to the real documentary footage and it doesn't surprise you. You're just like, oh yeah, no, Michael Sheen hit it right on the head. Like that's perfect. The biggest thing he gets is he gets how off the cuff, brash and unable to censor himself. Arrogant he is. He's just pure arrogant. He... But, but that's, that's the, the thing. thing. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he reads arrogance. I think he reads honestly. When you read how he talks about things, it's that he has zero filter, and he has a way that he thinks things should be done. And that often was at loggerheads with the way football, in it with a capital F, thought things should be done. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. This movie writes it in a certain way that it's not that because he's embodying this arrogant character mm-hmm. in the writing. But the real Brian Clough was mostly just, I have no filter and this is the way things should be done. And I'm mm-hmm. winning, so you can't really argue with me. Damn it, Peter yeah. Morgan, you should have written a better script. Yeah. He was probably <sighs> too busy like writing. He was writing like The Crown or something. He was doing something else. That's he okay, got distracted. It's amazing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Him. <laughs> Timothy Spall as Peter Taylor. Wormtail. Very good. Wormtail did so good. I always have to make sure that I appreciate him as a person and not as Wormtail from Harry Potter because anytime I see his face, I'm like, that. no, he's bad. He's a bad man. Yeah, and yet he is very much a chameleon. Like, I see him and I instantly know who he is. And of course, I reference Harry Potter too. But then I'm instantly captivated by whatever he's doing. Right. I'm pretty sure it's the King's speech. He plays Winston Churchill at the, like, the very end. And you're like, oh, wow, what is Wormtail doing there? But then he saves World War II. I don't know exactly what all Churchill did, but I think so. Yeah, no, that was World War II. I pointed out that I feel like Spall gets wasted a lot of this movie because, you know, the big fight they have is so overwrought and mm-hmm. so overwritten. Yeah. yeah. Like Sheen's screaming at him in the middle of Mallorca. And I was like, it would never have gone down this way. Yeah. It just feels way overdone. And I feel like they're wasting the subtlety that the actors bring to it with they, a script that's sort of 
cudgeling you with these big sports metaphors and cliches. Yeah, I the only thing I think I did appreciate about that end fight was that he walked away while Michael Sheen was still yelling yeah. so that it felt like, cause that felt very much like, Oh yeah, he would just walk away. He would be like, I don't need to be here and be berated anymore. Yeah. Michael Sheen screaming at a pier was, it looked great. Tom Hooper. It always it looks great. <laughs> exactly. It was great. My pick for actor of the movie, honestly, is Cole Meany as Don Revy. So Brian, that's interesting. I didn't really care. <sighs> he's so good. A total ass. He's a total ass. He's he's acting his butt off without saying any words. And you yeah. instantly know who this guy is. You just right. know. Looks exactly like him. Yeah, that yeah, part did. That part looks. was really good. Yeah. But also with the giant amounts of whatever makeup they do, because Cole Meany has like pretty tight normal facial features, mm-hmm. but like those giant jowls. On yeah. Him. Yeah. And then just that that super broginess underneath that was ready to defend his guys at any turn. I like the hair swoop. That's what I call those bangs. It's a hair swoop. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say in his credit, too, I'm a sucker for a villain that you can empathize with. And Revy is a villain you can empathize with because this is a dude that's there to defend his players. But see, I, My problem with that is I don't think that happened until literally the last 10 minutes. Whenever he finally is given a chance to talk, he talks in the very beginning in the interview, and then he doesn't talk again until he's on camera with Michael Sheen. And that's those are the only times where he really gets to kind of speak his piece as a character. And they were both incredibly compelling, but I didn't care about him until the end, because then you realize, oh, no, he might actually care for his players instead of living life through Clough's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is the villain in this movie. Nobody looks yeah. good. Uh, Peter's right. all right. He's neutral. That's true. Peter's neutral. Even the TV presenter is a dick. Oh yeah, that I would. Uh, I was thinking the entire so time. I was like, why would you sit there? Why would you stay there and be uh, like, hell yeah. no, I didn't agree why to you this. Pick up and leave. And that is apparently the one like super accurate thing. That, that interview. That interview was like the centerpiece that got them to start writing this mm-hmm. movie. Wow. So. It was back in a time where people could disagree on television. What a time. That's true. Now we do also get to play a game of who could have been better with this. They considered casting Kenneth Branagh in this role. As as Don Revy? As Don yeah. Revy. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I just, again, first of all, all, all I'm going to think of is Lockhart from Harry Potter. That's who he is to me. It blew me away when I found out that Lockhart directed the Thor movie. That was weird. I had to but, just kind of accept awesome. that. But awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I just had to, it changed. I yes. had to you change had to personally. Some things around in your Ex- brain. <laughs> exactly. But um, I don't know. I To me too, I'm like, uh, again, I would almost need that character to be rewritten so that it actually gave more balance to the entire you know plot line of everybody not being some jackass that this person can actually be a real human. I argue that I would keep Cole Meany. Of course. But. Yeah. I would also like, I would like to pause it. What if Kenneth Branagh played Peter Taylor against Michael Sheen? I, I think that could have worked, although I do think, and I've already forgotten his name again, but it's Wormtail. Timothy Spall. <laughs> Timothy Spall, that's it. Thank you so much. Um, he works so well as this kind yes, of underrated does. partner where you never expect him to be, stand on his own feet. 
And I would expect Kenneth. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he would do. I never know what to expect with Kenneth Branagh. I want to see a movie with Kenneth Branagh and Michael Sheen together. That would be great. That would. That's that's what I need. Yeah. You're you're ready for that amount of sheer salted pork on camera. The amount of ham. <laughs> there are so many euphemisms <laughs> coming out right now, <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm pro. I am pro. Add you know, uh, add in. My favorite man, Paul Rudd, and I won't be able to contain myself. That's true. <laughs> what would that movie even be? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my god! <laughs> but it See, would be the best. Now, and again, uh, because I'm such a limited American, I'm only thinking of them as their respective roles. So I'm picturing this crossover event with Ant-Man, the vampire from Twilight, and also Lockhart. <laughs> and I'm wondering what universe this is. And honestly, Ant- I'm kind of. Ant-Man I'm kind does of. Does go subatomic. So. That's true. It could. There could be a multiverse situation. Is honestly, also Kunu. He's also. Ah, uh, oh, damn. What's his name from Clueless? He's so many things. Oh, he is. That's true. He's Dan Fantana. Dan Fantana. <laughs> That's a good one. Fantana. He was Phoebe's it's... boyfriend for the longest time. Yes. Right? Oh, she got yeah. the best one. This <laughs> <laughs> is Mike. I'm a huge Friends fanatic. So yes. Aren't we all? It's... We all should be. But anyway, yes, I'm totally on board with this movie. Let's uh, get them on the phone. Oh, we should make James and Aaron write it. Yes. I'm unabashedly obsessed. <laughs> there That's we their go. Thing. That Let's, is their I, thing. I'm going to go submit it and tell them they have to go write that movie. We Perfect. all get story, story by credits, credits, though. Yes. I can do yeah, that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. that. And like a 5% cut. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm cool with all this. Oh, that'll be good. I'm excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last one I want to mention is Jim Broadbent as Sam Longson. The chair of the Darby team. Also and of course, Professor Slughorn. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad you know where I'm coming from. I do. I yep. do. Professor Slughorn was <laughs> running the team. Yep. He was so mean. He was so <laughs> drunken and uh, Mr. Moneybags in this sleepy northern mm-hmm. town. Yeah. Like, even when they're nothing mm-hmm. and he doesn't really have that much money. He's still that grimy guy at the top. Yeah. Right. Although it didn't feel like he had any sort of spine to his character until no. the middle when they were succeeding. Cause then, and that part kind of made sense. If you were the businessman leading the, the organization, you would start to feel a little puffy about their success, even though it had absolutely nothing to do with you and mm-hmm. survived in spite of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at no point in this movie do we see the Jim Broadbent character acknowledge what Brian Clough was able to do. I mean, I know he's not the one playing the games, but he was making this stuff happen. And he was, yeah, he was spending money they didn't have, but he was getting the players. He was putting them where they needed to be on the field. That is an important aspect to playing these games. And that, and that was never acknowledged. And even um, I think as a businessman, whenever you were mad about him s- taking money to buy players, but then the club started to succeed, why wouldn't you reinvest in those successful paths rather than spending the money on renovating the stadium t- for a director's box and stuff like that? Like that kind of part of it stuff, which again, I don't know how much of it is true, but it made him much more stupid and and. And I don't know what other word there is for it, but just well, kind of a jackass, I guess. Yeah, it, it made him look very small when he gave in to the tantrum of the resignation. Yes. Um, instead of being like, um, I'm going to suspend you for a couple of games and you don't get to make the calls or anything because you're throwing a fit. 
and I'm the boss, whether you like it or not. Like, he could have done something like that, but the ex is like, okay, you're being a dick. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. So before we get to our rating system, the soccer in this game is totally different than what you're ready for from soccer. Well, there's not a lot of it. Yeah, there's really not. It's not. The, the only other soccer movies I can think of are like Bend It Like Beckham <laughs> and maybe The Big Green, but that's more of like a kid movie. Yeah. And then um, there was another movie called Goal, the story of Santiago, who was a Hispanic boy in California who got to play in the Premier League and moved over there. And it was kind of his rise from poverty to you know professional soccer. And like they all focus so much on soccer, whereas this this movie was more of just like a historical drama than there's anything else. That, there's also that Sylvester Stallone movie Victory, where Pele winds up in a German prisoner camp for some reason and they play soccer. Um, you guys are missing <laughs> the most important classic, Uh-oh. Ladybugs, with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not I'm not familiar. I only vaguely remember this. I, th- I think this is a this is a mini generation gap issue we have here. Yeah, I'm old. It's whatever. <laughs> is it is is it Caddyshack but with soccer? Not quite, because it involves a boy dressing like a girl on a soccer team. Oh, I'm kidding. I've watched this. Yep. Yeah. Never mind. Jonathan Brandis. Yeah. Yep. I got this now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pulling it up in the old m- memory bank. Can't remember much, but can't remember the boy dressing up as a girl. And and the ladybug uniforms. Yes, it's the reverse. She's all that, which is actually another. It was a she's all that. No, what's no, that movie? Thinking, with, um, she's the man. She's you're the man. She's the man. That's it. Which Amanda I've Bonds. never seen. It's honestly, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's okay. Pretty good. It's okay. I I appreciated it, and also it's Channing Tatum before he was kind of like crazy and and gotten massively popular. Yeah, he's so pretty. What so <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pretty boys this episode. Yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. I've been working out, so yeah. Yeah. Aww. The um, no, I agree with you that the soccer, the soccer looked weird in the movie in that it, there wasn't a lot of it. But what I did appreciate was that it felt very English in in the 70s. Of it didn't matter that the you know the pitch wasn't all green and beautiful like it was muddy, it was gross, it was raining because it's always raining raining in England. That's just how they live. Yeah. And so that part of it felt very grounded and very like real and they are like super rough. If you watch like English football and especially in the lower leagues, like it is a physical sport. I was not prepared to see guys get like right hooked in the face during Yeah. And I was yeah. like, "Okay." See, I wish there had been more of the training practices i feel like that, that that should have been a bigger part of the movie that plus uh so that they could show the interaction with him and the players because because then you could understand why the players were more upset you kind of understood why the Leeds players were upset whenever clough was taken over but you didn't really feel you just felt like they were whining until you hear their actual complaints the yes. impression is that they're throwing a hissy fit when the real story was that he wanted to change literally everything about how they had played learned to play and everything about what their team had been mm-hmm. under Revy. All and only because of Revy, not because it was bad. Yeah. They were yeah. a winning team. <laughs> like there was good stuff here, but there was also stuff that needed to change. It's true. They were at the top of the freaking league. So why are we trying to change all of this all of a sudden? But also your job is to play soccer. To play soccer for a certain person, do your job. Don't be a dick. <laughs> All right. So for every movie, we have a very special rating system. And for this movie, 
we are going to decide on a scale from one to five, half is allowed, how many letters of resignation do we give this movie? <laughs> okay, are they re- letters of resignation that we expect to be handed back to us or expect to be accepted? Because that's a whole other drama. How, you know? However however you choose to interpret that scale. Okay. I'll start. I'm going to go with a 2.5. It's a okay. mixed bag, this movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the performances are stellar. Mm-hmm. They're super fun to watch. Michael Sheen's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you... Even if we find out we're not learning the correct truth about a subject, mm-hmm. it still piques my interest. Like, I want to go learn about Brian Clough because mm-hmm. yeah. he's a fascinating dude and a hero to a lot of England. But that script is just such a detriment to the rest of the movie. Kind of right. garbage. That it makes it just kind of a, kind of a mishmash of a movie. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to say two resignation letters but i expect them to be turned down and when that happens i expect netflix to be the person turning them down and then netflix is like we're going to reboot this movie and we're going to make it uh, a mini series about clough's life so that we can get all of it and get all the good parts and make it like a full picture that's what i want to happen so a two but with progress towards going towards a five i'm also going to say two because the performances are amazing yeah but i'm going to say no to netflix and yes to HBO. Oh, okay. I'll I'll accept there that. You go. Tom, they've worked. They've worked, with, they've worked with Tom. They've worked with Tom before, so they've Tom worked, can come back. They've worked with Peter Morgan as well. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, but they don't, I, they don't have to if they don't need to for no. this one. Yeah, probably not. Uh, keep Tom. Get rid of Peter. Exactly. Peter can stay at Netflix. He needs to focus on the crown. He's got four more seasons to go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so it's very important to me. Do we bring Michael Sheen back? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no. This project doesn't survive without him. He is okay. Clough. No. He is Clough. He is Tony Blair. He is Michael Sheen. That's He's the trifecta. He's he the trinity. Pl- he has to play all of them in the same movie. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's yes. another mashup. Okay, if they do that, it automatically becomes a five. Automatically. <laughs> Even without you seeing it. Correct. Automatically, it's a five. It beats the apartment for me. That's it. That's, That's what awesome. it is. Oh, Lord. Uh, that's not that's not going to happen. All right. <laughs> well, first of all, what are we doing next week? We're doing The Natural. It's time for baseball. We haven't done a baseball movie. So there you go. We're going to watch Robert Redford. Peter Redford. Knock it out of the park. Be really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have to say super big, crazy thank you to Kyle for being here and talking soccer and teaching us so much today. Yeah, thank you. I was I was very, very excited to talk about the beautiful game again. The and now you know. Game. I do now. I understand. Exactly. And now right. you know. Kyle, where can we find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, you can find me at Twitter at Kyle the Turner. I also host my own podcast, The M Word, which is a millennial podcast solving millennial problems. And it is about as productive as you expect, which means we don't really solve anything. So it's a good, good show. And I, I'm going to continue to shout this out. Connor, you need to watch Queer Eye. I Thank swear. you. <gasps> oh, I keep, yes. I keep trying every week. Yes. It's like a part of our pre-production meeting. I'm like, have you watched Queer Eye yet? Like just even one, just one, just one. That's all you need to get hooked. Exactly. Like right. I, oh, why? Why yeah. won't he do it? I haven't heard the whole saga. I don't know. He is so disappointing as a human, and <laughs> I, I just have to deal with this you every to, day. You need to have that cross stitch on a plaque for him. <laughs> yes. To to my most favorite disappointment, pointing human. <laughs> that's that's what I do. 
Yeah, but if you want to if you want to check that out, we are at mwordpod.com and on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify, Google, all those places all you can places. hear voices. They are Macintosh and Mod approved, I can guarantee it. Oh yes, they're quite. quite I need to put fun. that put that on our certification. There you okay, go. we'll get you a stamp. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 